0: Hello and welcome back to The Brag. I'm Sean
1: Feltz. I am Father Matthew Baugh. And welcome back. Here we are. Here we are. We've got a great guest in the studio today, Sean.
0: Yes, I'm very excited.
1: We, you know, we've got all these series going, so many series going on this podcast, yeah. and this is the series where we introduce our listeners to various people in the Catholic Studies Center. We keep it interesting. Keep it very interesting. Right. Um, so today... Who do we have here? We've got someone great, Dr. Hilary Finley. Oh my gosh. Who is an old friend of, not old herself, but an old friend of the <laughs> Catholic Studies Center. Yes. Uh, sure. Dr. Finley, it's great to have you on the program.
2: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here.
1: You Tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about um, your association with the Catholic Studies Center going back now a number of years.
2: Yeah, sure. So um, my husband and I moved to St. Louis about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. And um, we were at a dinner party one night. We'd heard about Father McCony from some friends in California, <coughs> which is where we're from. And so they said, you've got to meet this great priest. He's wonderful. And we happened to meet him at a dinner party with some friends. So we were chatting about... Um, St. Louis University and that kind of thing and he asked what John and I were doing here and I have a I have a doctorate in um, literature through the University of Dallas. And so he was kind of asking me mm. about that, poking around a little bit what I thought about it. And He's all that. always on
1: the lookout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and hunting. it turned
2: out that he invited me to give a talk on Brothers Karamazov. So mm-hmm. way back before, cool. I think the center wasn't even established maybe. So right. we were over in Jesuit Hall. I gave a talk for him on mm-hmm. nature and natural law and the Brothers Karamazov. And I think it was for one of his um, adult learning groups right the friends of yeah he's been
1: doing this for a number of years to have a chance to go deeper in the faith Mm -hmm.
2: yeah it was a beautiful gathering it was really neat it was an upstairs room in Jesuit Hall and I presented and then there was a little Q&A and I guess he liked it because he invited me back (laughs) (laughs) so I've done a a number yeah right so and it was really fun for me because I have little kids at home and so it was fun for me to be able to you know contribute to the city and the intellectual life around here but um, so I've given, I've spoken also on the Grand Inquisitor in particular for mm-hmm, students here. Mm-hmm, um, wow. And then I've done a, I did a talk on Flannery O'Connor mm. and um, one other on um, a couple of the Flannery O'Connor books. And then mm. I got into, and then, you know, th- I think the feedback yeah. was good yeah. or I'm not sure, but anyway, so <laughs> Father. roping you in. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I loved it. And it's, it's yeah. just such a dynamic place here. And um, the students are great. The adults who come to learn are great. I mean, it's mm. really exciting. So Father asked me to do the capstone course. Right. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I taught the capstone, mm-hmm. and that was some Shakespeare plays. We did some poetry. We looked at T. S. Eliot. We did mm. some novels. I think we did wow. *Brideshead* and um, *The Power and the
1: Glory*. Gosh. So wow. yeah, we need to do episodes on just that, Sean. Like, yeah. Let's get some. <laughs> we'll take, take one of these. That'd great yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. You're now tell us a little bit about yourself also personally because you've got a okay. life outside the center too. I take it.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, my husband and I were married about. 12, almost twelve years ago, um, wow. and we were we met at the University of Dallas. So we, um, I, I'm, I'm from Oregon. I have four mm, sisters. Mm-hmm. There's five of us all together, and <laughs> <laughs> my parents still live out there. Um, John and I were both pursuing graduate work, and we met in college there. And then when we were married, he was teaching at Thomas Aquinas College, which mm. is a small kind of classic liberal arts college in Southern California. Yeah, so wow. we lived out there. We had our first son out there, and then. He, my yes. husband wanted to pursue philosophy a little more hmm. intensely, so he found the job at Kenrick, they offered it to him, and here we are. And then we've had two more kids here. So we have three kids, two boys and a girl. Wow. And yeah.
1: That's incredible. Yeah, that's great. And for folks who may not know who are not from St. Louis, Kenrick is Kenrick Glennon, which is the seminary yes, here. Yes, that's right. So your husband, John Finley, is one of the great philosophy teachers oh, thank out there. You. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And they got, yeah, it's amazing to see the Jesuits at work here and the diocesan priests there. And it's just a really <laughs> – it's such a great um, – dynamic city yeah. with all these great influences kind of coming together so
1: what hmm. must home life be like with a mom who's a <laughs> literature <laughs> professor and a dad who's a philosopher I was just thinking that I was like we oh read my a gosh lot. <laughs> I'm sure it's wow. fun that's yeah. incredible yeah, this is great I'm just picturing your kids with like their giant books walking around oh my god <laughs> yeah. well
2: more likely than not they'd be carrying legos but yeah yeah okay.
1: actually <laughs> perfect yeah, I've usually seen them chasing each other, which is very appropriate <laughs> for kids. Right. It's more, more like I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun. That's great. Well, and so, okay, here you are now at the Catholic Study Center because you've actually now come on full-time on staff. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and what you're doing here.
2: Yeah, thanks. So it's very exciting for me. My kids are in school now, so um, it's great to have the time to be able to kind of help contribute to something, the project and the work that's going on here. So I'm the coordinator for the center, so I help kind of organize things, keep things you know, on track or whatever. Um, and, and then
1: grow our programs really I yeah mean, right
0: she makes this place rotten <laughs> 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 yeah, right no
2: I can't claim that <laughs> no, but that's, that's what <laughs> happens <laughs> um, yeah no but it's been um, great and then I, um, Father and I are doing a series right now on the Be- Father McConey and I are doing a series um, on the betrothed right. for mm. some of the adults in the community who I bet
1: people don't know what the betrothed is so tell us a little bit about like, oh sure how did you choose that book what is that book who's it by it's
2: yeah right. great so it's um, by um, Manzoni Alsan Manzoni it's an Italian novel he was very famous um, writer in Italy 150 years ago it's Pope Francis's favorite novel Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it was chosen but it's interesting because it's kind of a um, it it, it, a lot of the action of the novel takes place around a young couple Renzo and Lucia who both who are betrothed and want to be married but because of the social political dynamics they're Mm. they're interrupted Mm -hmm. and so um it's funny because it takes place during a plague and there's all these riots. And so it's kind of resonating (laughs) with our time. Yeah. Wow. So they, um, so it's asking a lot of questions about law. What's the nature of authority? How does the church, the priest refused to marry them because his life was threatened by some bravos who are these kind of like Italian thugs, um, but powerful and scary. And so What's what is a priest supposed to do in light of that? What's anyone supposed mm. to do in light of that? Mm-hmm. And how can you change the, the culture? And yeah. so it's set in Milan. Um, and anyway, we're kind of working through all these questions yeah. and also trying to time to our own day and age where we're mm. really asking these same questions.
1: Yeah. Why do you think it might be Pope Francis' favorite book? Do you know? Has he said why he likes it so much? Or
2: you know, I—that's a great question. I actually, I don't know the answer mm. to that. I'm a part. I wonder actually if mm-hmm. he's had it on his mind, b- given the political cultural climate. Right. that But you know, I mean, he's from South America. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. It just is amazing to me how perfectly the action of the novel kind of fits with our own time mm. which is kind of the point of literature really right. I mean yeah. to ask these perennial questions well mm. said. what is human nature why do we why why should we read a novel from Italy 150 years ago mm. why is it relevant to us now
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so many people have the experience that you read great literature maybe in high school you know and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit in college but mm-hmm. then for a lot of people, it kind of slips away for a long time. Right. And you see with, like, this group that you have coming, this Continuing Catholicism series, these are mainly middle-aged and older folks who can Mm -hmm. see the real value of literature and want to get down deep into it again.
2: Right. Well, and that's and it's a good thing to do. And it's a shame, I think, in a lot of ways that our society and our culture has gotten away from reading the classics. Because what... What these great books do is introduce us to ideas that are very important for our existence as human beings. Hmm. Literature crosses cultural boundaries; it crosses, you know, race, religion, location, and it it allows us to focus on the ideas of things. Hmm. And because we're all, you know. Human beings, we share the common human nature. When we read these things and read them together in groups and talk about them, it helps expand our vision. We understand other people better, we understand other cultures, and it lets us see how, like, the commonality, the differences in the human family, Hmm. you know, Hmm. and it helps us think about how to deal with things that we are confronting in our own time based on these insights from brilliant people in the past. Right.
1: Mm. In kind of a non-threatening way, too. I mean, literature kind of, it it paints a picture for you, Mm -hmm. and you can see how things play out without being directly addressed by it straight away. Right. But then the question turns to me, finally. Right, Mm. exactly.
2: And it's interesting. That's a great um, point, because, you know, when you read, if you read the Greeks, which we think Mm. of as, like, this old ancient culture, what they would do is set their questions addressing their leaders of the day in the realm of the gods. So you have Zeus and you have, you know, all these gods and goddesses at war or, Mm. you Mm. know, in love or whatever. And it was the way that they were allowed to make suggestions to their current contemporary Mm. leadership without Mm. getting in trouble. Mm. Mm. And we kind of do the same thing. I mean, we have these questions about what's going on in our society, but we read about it in Italy. And if you look at what's going on in Milan in the 1600s, he wrote it in the 1800s, but the setting is like 1650. Mm. So... It's safe and we can take and then we can extricate. The principles of the things and think about them and then apply them to ourselves. Hmm. I know from
1: talking to you um, outside <laughs> of this interview that you look really at an, a Catholic engagement with literature. It's not just Catholic literature per se. Mm-hmm. It's how do we take, you know, the um, what the the faith teaches us and engage with these realities that we see presented to us in a story, yeah. which kind of opens up your vision. I mean, you're willing to and able to look at a lot of different kinds of texts.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think um, you know the world. You know, to kind of go to the mission of the center, actually, yeah. or the faith, it's to take this understanding that the church has about what reality is and where it comes from, as given to us by God, the Word, a rational and loving providential being who made all of this and made all of us, keeps us in existence, and so that light that is God and His grace that inculcates everything, mm-hmm. it comes through everything and everyone, mm-hmm. and. But we sometimes see it differently. Like Saint Paul talks about through a glass darkly. Mm-hmm. I think the light that we are seeing can pop up in all different cultures by all different people. And what having a Catholic vision allows you to see where these things participate in truth or beauty or goodness or mm. what's um, where can you find mm. insight, right. even if it's not from a you know particular a Catholic person, but you can see the goodness in it, and appreciate it, and learn from it,
1: which I know, I know you've um, done some work on Flannery O'Connor, she Mm -hmm. was a master of this, trying Mm. to see how (laughs) Grace is operative in the world, in the most unlikely of characters, maybe, you know, oh my
2: gosh, yeah, it's crazy stories, you know, old grannies getting shot in the backwoods, and (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) people on the bus getting off and punching each other, I mean, it's just crazy, and she was writing in the deep south, yeah, and that's a tricky, um, uh, what would you say, trope or genre, because, you know, it's so, especially nowadays for people to read, Flannery O'Connor is mm. seen as, you know, racist or biased, and and she was trying to show the common humanity of mm. all the people who lived in the South, regardless mm. of color or economic status, and she was using the kind of, the mode, the language of the day, but she's breaking that open because of her Catholic viewpoint and showing us that, you um, We are all the same. One of my favorite short stories by her is um, "Everything That Rises Must Converge," and I love it because she draws. It's it's kind of hard to tell, but she at first, but on a first read, but she draws these parallels between, like for example, you know, "quote unquote" black people and "quote unquote" white people, and they, you know, two moms are both wearing their purple hat. They have the same exact hat. There's a, a. I'm not sure the politically correct way to say this, but there's a black man on the bus who hands some lottery tickets to a little white boy. Mm. And that's like the parallel is this white woman giving a nickel to a black boy. And so Flannery O'Connor is showing us that we have um, common ideas of trying to be generous. Mm. We have common resentments of being given free handouts. I Mm. mean, she's really pointing Mm. to the humanity of... Various cultures who all exist side by side. I so mean. she's a great um, visionary yes. who can paint a picture of the the truth of human beings yeah. in this deep south. You know, she's
1: come up a couple times on the podcast when I asked Sean what his favorite... Um, piece of literature was he mentioned a story of Leonard O'Connor, Parker's Back, which we oh, yes. just read yeah. in, great in story. one of our classes yes. this yeah. term. Yeah. And nice. She's got so many great stories, but yeah, Everything That Rises would be a great one for, for folks to read at home.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. I think people are kind of afraid of talking about her now or, or engaging her.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is too bad. As you say, there's there's the, que- the at the basis of her work is a question of Catholic vision, which mm-hmm. tries to see in the midst of very difficult realities, mm-hmm. where is grace operative? Right, yeah. Um, but that means looking at difficult realities, too.
2: Mm-hmm. And certainly we're living among some of those right
0: now. Yeah. Well, hearing you speak about sort of the Catholic studies lens and things like that, I personally would be super intrigued if you were ever to teach a class here, which I, I know is not again something guaranteed. Yeah, again, <laughs> not the capstone or anything like that. But um, you know, maybe something
1: more in depth.
2: Oh, sure. Well, great do, because I am. Do you have any sense of that? <laughs> do you,
1: Is there anything maybe? <laughs> Funny you ask. <laughs> Cue the commercial. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we do a lot of product pra- placement on nice, this podcast. Nice. I love yeah. it.
0: Every time I say the right thing, I get a cookie. (laughs) Well,
1: you're being well-trained. Ah, yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, so in
2: the spring, we're going to offer, a course, on the Inklings. So Mm. I'll be talking about Tolkien and Lewis and Charles Williams and Dorothy Sayers. And we'll kind of look at some of their great works and their ideas um, coming out of this Wonderful authors who have written some very helpful, intriguing works. They were all masters of hmm. their discipline of literature and philosophy. Tolkien was a linguist, hmm. um, so we'll be yeah. The Inklings will be a course coming up in the spring. So okay, Sean, you should take that.
0: Very
1: exciting. Yes. <laughs> Any chance we'll ever get a Brothers Karamazov class or a, a Russian oh, literature I, class? Oh, we could
2: definitely do that. I think yeah. it would be great. I mean, the Brothers Karamazov is one of the most enlightening works. I hmm. mean, he's hmm. really. Dostoevsky takes human. It looks at a takes a family and looks at all, you know, four basic types of human beings, and especially with respect to God. You have an atheist. You have a believer. You have um, someone who Smerdyakov, who's the kind of half brother, is essentially um, a person who would be evolved um, yeah. without a soul. <laughs> so mm. he, he's engaging ideas from Nietzsche and all these people yeah. of our contemporary society who want mm. a you know philosophic academy who want to say that man doesn't have a soul. We're yeah. we're just you know a continued evolution of the natural world. Mm. Um, so he and he's got just a typical mm. Russian guy who you know is very. you could find that type of person all around. Mm -hmm. So he looks at these different personalities and puts them all together, and he looks at how they respond to the promptings of God, and if God exists, and this whole novel, the story is set in this kind of, um, he he uses the natural world, the Russian landscape, to kind of engage the characters the (laughs) way that the lord uses nature to speak to us um and it's just a a beautiful novel so i I would love to offer a course like that and we could look at a few other russian novels or some of his other works as well so yeah we'll be on the lookout for that because i think that would be fantastic
0: keep us posted that sounds great well dr finley thank you for joining us today super great to have you great great pleasure having you on
2: thanks